The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church Pulpit Series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. Not just because I haven't been at church, but because when I am here, it's usually the later service and I'm late to the late service, so I have no hope of uh, getting there. And I'm done. Yeah? No. Awesome. It's such an honor to, at any time to be able to share the scriptures, but to do it uh, from the same pulpit as Pastor Hillary and Lewis is amazing honor for me this morning. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, for that, and to be part of the Come and Adore uh, series. I just think it's such a beautiful phrase, come and adore our King, you know, come and adore Him. And I just think um, on Man Day, Men Day, Man Day, International Man Day, for us to come and think of adoring God as men leading congregations and families. Oh, I just think that's powerful, powerful. So um, anyway, in our series, uh, we had the bridegroom last week, which was amazing. But today, we're going to be looking at Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega. Such an amazing concept. And I think on the back of that worship, um, I really feel spirits already moving amongst us and um, hopefully will compel us to something different this morning. You know, when we worship, that moment of worship allows us to, and I've said it before, restore order. When we worship, we're not thinking upon the things of ourselves. When we worship with truth, we worship in who God is. You know, His is the kingdom. His is the power. He will reign forever and ever. Amen. And when we come around a time of worship, we have chaos in our life. We have fears, confusions, we have all these things happening. But in that moment of worship, everything's in order. He is King of Kings again. You know, so often when we, when we interact with God, right, we'll acknowledge Him as King. But then what's the next thing? Lord, guide me. Lord, heal me. Lord, help me. Lord, show me. Counsel me. And yeah, we acknowledge Him, but then we turn it into what we need for the situations. I'm not saying that's wrong at all. But how often do we come around and just adore our Alpha and Omega? See, even as we read through the the Scriptures, the Gospels, and we'll be reading out of Revelation this morning, but as we read through the Gospels of Jesus, what do we see? We see Jesus was hungry, was thirsty, was tired, reclined. He ate, he interacted, he, he walked. He did all the things of the human. We see him as through the veil of humanity. The Alpha and the Omega, but we read about him as a human through the Gospels and sometimes we have that image of who Jesus is. If I was to ask you to close your eyes, I'm not going to, and picture Jesus, and you all just did, everyone pictured Jesus as a human in some capacity. Whether he's preaching on the boat out at sea, whether he was on the cross, Maybe in the lead up to Christmas, you pictured baby Jesus. But we all have this image of Jesus in the human form. And he came and he did and he conquered for us. But he's so much more. 
And this morning as we read Revelation, this is one of the most exciting books we can read out of. Revelation won't picture Jesus this morning in any human form. Revelation pictures Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega, the one who holds death and the keys to death itself. He is victorious. He reigns and rules and he'll wipe away every tear. We read in Revelation this victorious King of Kings. But let me tell you about Revelation. Revelation isn't some story picture book belonging later on. It'll happen one day. Revelation was written by the apostle, John, to real churches facing real persecution and real struggles. It was written for them to find hope again. And the way he does that is by giving them the image and the pictures of this victorious king. And so this morning, that letter was written from, and it says, pertaining to the things now until the return of this king. So as they were written to provide hope and encouragement, then they are written for now and for the time to come. For us to realign where we find our hope. Ephesians tells us we don't war against the flesh and the blood, but we war against the principalities, the, the authority, the evil presence in the heavenly realms, the spiritual. That's what Revelation is trying to get us to do. I read one, one commentary that said, Revelation is trying to get the hearer, the reader, to get a heavenly perspective on the earthly situation. So this morning, as we read about the Alpha and the Omega, we read about him in the spiritual, where our fight is. We're, not, we're trying to get our mind, our thoughts, our focus on him as Lord and King, not as this person through the human eyes that we read about. So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to open up the book of Revelation. Lord, I just pray that you are revealed here this morning. Father, this isn't a time to hear from humans, just from you. And I pray that you are revealed, that we would get just a glimpse of the Alpha and the Omega, that God holds the universe in the palm of his hands. And that would cause us to respond to you in a way we never have this morning. How can we not? And I just pray that this morning we worship you in spirit and truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Hey, so we're going to turn to the screen and read Revelation. We're going to start at the back and then go to the front and you'll, it'll work itself out. You'll understand why in a minute. Revelation 21, it says this. And he said to me, it is done. Some translations will say, it is finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Before we even begin to articulate what Alpha and Omega is, let me clarify. God is not referring to himself 
when we talk about Alpha and Omega. He's talking about created. God isn't created. He has no beginning and will have no end. God is not referring to His beginning. What does Genesis say? In the beginning, God, He existed. It's hard for us to understand, right? We were created. Everything we know is created. But the Spirit is not bound by time like we are. We are, we are part of the created. But the creator isn't bound by the requirements for the created. And so when we enter into the spiritual things, time doesn't exist. Think about this. When we worship and you're in a moment of worship and we're worshiping in spirit and truth, right? We can be in this room. And we'll worship and worship and worship. And then you look at your watch and you're like, wow, we just were worshiping for like an hour or two hours. And there's no sense of time in that moment because the Spirit is not bound by time. When we pray and we pray humbly and we pray to God and you're praying and you're praying and you're praying, which belongs to the spiritual realm, this prayer, this conversation with God. And you're praying for hours and hours, but you don't feel like it's hours and hours. Because the spiritual things don't belong constraint, contained by time. And so God isn't contained by time. But when we do things in the flesh, right? When we do things, we come and worship and it's like one song felt like a whole day. Or one prayer is like, man, I was done at dear God. Because when we respond in the flesh, when we work in the flesh, there's time constraints. But when we go in spirit and truth, where God is in the heavenly realms, time is not applicable. And so for us, it's hard for us to get a head around this idea that um, he never exists. Like there was a time where he was created, but he wasn't. He is spirit and he always is. And there's this great, great, great scripture in Isaiah that we're going to read that just declares how amazing and how powerful and how true he is. And it's in Isaiah 44, it's this. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies. I am the first and the last. There is no other God who is like me. Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained its future. There is none like God this morning. He's the alpha of creation and he will be the omega of creation. But there is no alpha and omega to him. There is none like him this morning. Our perspective of what's happening in our life, let's put it into the heavenly realm of this king, of this God. There is none like him. Have you ever tried to catch a fly and explain to it how it works, how it flies? Make no sense, right? i proposed to you this morning, if God tried to explain to us, it would be as silly as that. His workings, he's revealed himself to us. But if he tried to talk about the beginning to the end of himself, we would struggle. And so as we go through the Alpha and the Omega this morning, I'm not referring to God, I'm referring to the created, to us. So back to Revelation. Thank you. And he said to me, it is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And John chapter 1 puts it so amazing. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, not anything was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And just before in Acts, another scripture says, And human hands cannot serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies every need. Our life starts in God. In the beginning, God. He created everything that is known here. He created our life and gives us life. In John 3, last time I shared, we talked about that life in the light and darkness cannot overcome. And so we live in this life that God has created for us because He is the beginning of all that we know. But He's also the Omega, the end. He's the beginning of all life, but He's the end of all life as well. But the Scripture tells us that even though everyone finds their end in God, there are two different destinations that we will end. And as you read back in Revelations, let's go back to Revelation 21. Sorry. And it says this, He's the Alpha and the Omega, right? The beginning and the end. And then he says this, To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the waters of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. The first destination to the thirsty and the conquerors. They land in a place of relationship with God for all of eternity. Jesus tells us what we're to thirst after. And he says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When we thirst for right relationship with God, we are satisfied. When we thirst for right relationship with God, we have a right to be called sons and daughters and children of God. You see, I know what it's like to thirst after God in, in not in truth, right? Because when I grew up, I grew up in a different religious belief system that required attendance to certain masses, required lots of me. But I thirsted after right relationship with God. I was desperate for it, but what I was taught was not truth. And so even though I was desperate for God, I was doing it wrong. I can understand 100% why people make the ultimate sacrifice for God. I can understand. I can understand why people would cause harm on others when their pursuit is for righteousness, right relationship with God when they're told false things. Because we're all desperate to be right with God. But when we thirst after the truth, when we thirst after Him, we have a right to be called children of God. And then, this is the greatest part. This is what changed my life. And then it says in our next scripture is that when Jesus stood up and he said, if anyone's thirst, let him come to me and drink. And that's 
where we find truth. That's where we find right relationship with God is in Jesus. In Him, we have right relationship with God. And so this morning as we live, if we want to be the people and our end is in God for all of eternity, then we need to thirst after righteousness and right living. That's what it will produce in Christ. But then the Omega, God the Omega, He's the beginning for all, He is the end for all. But there is a second destination for some of us here on earth in God. And we read about that in Revelation 21 again. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all lies, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Remember, this letter was written to real churches facing real persecution. And it was a letter written to provide hope. Yet when we read these things, it doesn't necessarily give us a sense of hope because in the persecution that they would be facing, there would be some that would be backing away from the faith. Look what's happening here. We have those that thirst after God and desire Him and chase after that right relationship with Him and those that desire self-satisfaction. These eyes have been lowered to look at how we can be fulfilled on this level and not this level. These ones here are living to satisfy themselves. So God will be the beginning of us all and the end of us all, but those that are thirsting after Him will become and receive an inheritance and become children of God. But those who thirst after self-satisfaction they receive that second death. Again, last time when I was here, I shared that eternity, eternal life, the next life is the fulfillment of all you desire, all you thirst for in this life. If you thirst after righteousness and right relationship with God, when you step into eternity, you have it in its fullness. You have complete relationship with God. There's no more pain, no more hurt, no more tears. He will wipe them all away and you will live completely in right relationship with Him for all of eternity if you thirst after it here. But for the others who thirst after self-satisfaction, self-righteousness, for the others who, who thirst or desire these things, when you step into eternity, your rebellion and your, your brokenness towards God will be in its fulfillment. It'll be complete for you and you'll be completely absent from God and you'll be in the place that was reserved for Satan and the demons. It was reserved for them for that complete separation from God that they wanted. But those who live like this, God is the end and that is your destination. He's gonna judge us all and he'll either find us thirsty for righteousness or thirsty for self. He is our alpha and our omega. But he's more. If we keep going, I want to get to Revelation 1. And it says this, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who was, always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. We've looked at God, the is. 
We've looked at God that is to come. But he is also now. He is, and again, some of the commentators say, the first of the Greek alphabet, alpha, the last letter, omega. But he is everything in between and any word that is spoken, anything. He is all that is in between as well. He is active now and he is alive now, still is king. And the only scripture that can really articulate this in the time that we have is this one scripture. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus is, you know what? If we only knew that Jesus was the beginning, it would be enough for us to worship him forever because he is the beginning of our life. If we only knew that Jesus was the end, the omega, that he, we all were once self, selfish, we all once were found guilty, but he's saved us, given us life, then that would be enough to worship him. But now we see that Jesus is now as well. Even more reason for us to worship him. And so I am the way, and we saw a beautiful analogy from Natalie through communion, the perfect, the perfect analogy that Jesus is the way to the Father because he took your punishment and the wrath of God. There is no other way to the Father except through him because that wages, the payment of sin that was death that belonged to you has been exchanged for his righteousness. So we are now in Christ, clothed in His righteousness. What is righteousness? Right relationship with God. What happens to those who are righteous and thirst for it? They're children of God. So He is the way. He is the truth. The Scriptures are the truth. From the beginning that spoke it all into existence until the end. Society is changing, yes? It was a big slap in the face this week. Society is changing. Do you know, society can change as much as it wants. As much as it wants, it shouldn't actually matter to you. Your standard of life is based on the Scriptures, not on the laws of the land. If you were confused before the vote and everything that happened, then read your Scriptures beforehand. Not only is it the truth, but we know He's coming back anyway. And all the chaos and all the stuff that's happening will find an end in Christ because he's coming back. And so we have to have our eyes up. Are we sinning against God? That's sin. Breaking the law isn't a sin, but being... I'll clarify. I'll clarify. Well, I just, you took a, you took a gasp. Now we are subject to the authorities and rulers of the world. That's why we pray for them desperately. But if we break the law, okay, it's not because we broke the law, it's because God told us to be subject to that and we sinned against God. King David was always saying, I sinned against heaven and earth. Our eyes, our thoughts, our focus needs to be on God, the spiritual, God in the spirit, God the Alpha and the Omega, not just here. So God is the truth. And as much as, Truth, it never changes, but the facts do. Fact was, it was illegal to be in a marriage that's defined in the Scriptures, but now it won't be soon. That's a fact. What is the truth? Come on, guys. 
And he is the life. And we talked about that. He's the life. He's the life for you now. The life for you to come. See, the Alpha didn't just create, didn't just create everything and, and let it go. He's the Alpha of everything we know now, but He's also the Alpha of your life when you are born again. When you submit and accept this, this payment that Jesus has made for you, and the scriptures tell us, then we have a right to be born again. The old is gone and the new has come. Here's the life. And this God that's beyond this world, this God that is the beginning and the end, He is the Alpha and the Omega. And you know what I think the most appropriate response that is, is to worship Him. We read a little bit later on in John, in John 1. I mean, not John, in Revelation. My bad. You're supposed to help me out, I told you. You're feeding me. You're... I thought I was supposed to get the radio transmission. Okay, it's on the screen now. What am I doing? Okay, Revelation 1. This is John. When he saw who was speaking, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet, as if I were dead. And he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and the grave. When John saw God, he fell down as if he were dead. When we can get a glimpse, just a glimpse of the Alpha and the Omega, how can we not respond to him in worship? How can we not realign our life and put him back on the throne? How can we not surrender to him in worship and put it in place? What was going to happen that he's gonna reign forever? He's gonna wipe away all the tears. He's gonna give you life and make you new. When we picture God and Jesus as that conquering King, the revelation so desperately wants the people to see. The churches, in, in, it was in Turkey, in Asia, when He wanted them to see and have hope, He gave them the image of this victorious ruling God, the God that you serve. So this morning, you stand to your feet with me, please. We only have a minute. We're going to worship God because we ask Him to reveal Himself to us, not me reveal Him to you. And I pray as we've gone through the Scriptures that He's revealed Himself to you as the Alpha and the Omega, the God who reigns. And I pray 
that you would find the only appropriate response to this amazing God who reigns today is to worship Him. That you would find hope in the worship of your Saviour. That you would find peace in knowing that He is coming back. That you would find so much hope in knowing that all the chaos will end one day. All the confusion will end one day. All the tears will end one day. Come on, church.